0: Let's jump right in. So tell us a little bit about gravy. Gravy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Gravy uh, started three years ago and uh, I would love to tell this amazing story about how gravy got started, but it actually got started just because uh, Renee and I my co-founder and then also one of my best friends uh, for the last 18 years. um, We have started growing and sold three companies prior to this. Um, And we had sold a company 14 months prior to, to, and we had nothing to do. And, everybody thinks it's cool to sell your company. No, it, it no, I, like I came from the ministry background world and like my, my uh, you know, church pastors, so all my friends are like broke ministers. You sell your company and then you think you're going to have all this stuff to do. And it's like, Hey, nobody can go to the beach with you. Cause they only have three weeks off a year. And then it's like, you know, all this stuff. And so this whole dream of selling your company ended up being a nightmare for my life uh, for about 14 months. And we were bored. We tried 13 ideas after we started our last company, we tried 12 ideas, the 13th idea was gravy. And the point of gravy was just to have something to do, just cause we had anything to do. We literally went to Starbucks every day from eight to five. And it was the first time in my life where, you know, I, I talked to these people that are like, I can't wait for five o'clock to get here. And my whole life I've ne- never understood that. And I was there and it was like, this sucks. And so the foundation <laughs> of the, the foundation of gravy, um actually the idea and, and 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 where just like it even came about was um, when we tried to sell our last company uh, we went through the whole private equity uh people trying to do a roll up in our space and it was the first time where i've dealt with private equity um before and they called me to a boardroom and inside the boardroom they did uh, the the uh, a churn waterfall now i i that was like blew my mind. All I knew was, here's what our sales are, go, 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 let's go, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this dude got us in this boardroom with this old like nasty old like mahogany wood, crazy boardroom like thing, these long tables. And he does this churn waterfall analysis. And basically he was asking questions like, so Casey on month seven, it looks like you have customers falling out at this and they were brought in because of this promotion. And blah, blah. And he starts going through all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, we're in the wrong space, bro. I don't have any answers for any of this stuff. And so I said, let us just go back, figure this out and we'll come back. And then for a period of about two years, um, they would call every quarter. And every time they called, their number kept increasing. And what we were, went back and did is said, why are these people leaving if they come in from this channel? Why are they leaving if this happened? So we started tracking all this stuff and looking at the churn analysis and looking at customer cohorts and all of this stuff that like, I'm from Alabama and like saying like customer cohorts, like I need like very simple math and understanding of things. And so um, I didn't get it all. And so we, our team put it up on the board and over a period of two years, we, took, we, took, we realized that churn isn't all the same. And for y'all, y'all are sitting there like, well, no duh. But <laughs> I know that they kept saying churn, 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 but then I, under the churn rock, if you lift up the churn rock and you dig even down further, there's different churn reasons at different levels. And the biggest reason for ours wasn't that our customers didn't want the product, it was just they had a failed payment. So we get on, so I literally, and we start calling these people and saying, Hey, your credit card failed. And you have a subscription with us for either our software product or one of these, uh, uh, coaching products or communities like you guys have, like, do you want to come back? And they're like, of course. And we're like, What? And so we started measuring it and we had been doing what everybody had been doing, which was use Dunning, you know, retries and send automated emails out. So then we started going back and is this too deep of an answer?
2: No, this is great. I love right. this. Let's keep going. I need
1: y'all to tell me the truth. So yeah, yeah, Keep we're, going. We're we on the same page. We do. Day? Right. We're so, on. So, yes. But, but this, was, this is how this came about, and this is a transferable principle to everybody listening is, as we dug down, we realized that only 15% of our customers were being recovered using the traditional answer, which was, hey, buy this Dunning software, and it's going to have a cool little dashboard, which never is right, by the way. I've been in every one of them, and they're never right. They're never right. And- they, they, you think they're right and they look pretty, but they're not right. Every one of them, you name a software product and we're on the backside of every one of them and we're constantly looking at and going, that doesn't match up. And so it was telling us this. And so then what we did is we started doing a spreadsheet, every single freaking name of every single customer. And then what we did is we hired a team of people and all they did, they weren't in customer success, they weren't in anything, they had one metric. The card fails and you recover that payment and then here's the next one. And how fast you do it is how fast you get paid. That's what it was. And all of a sudden we went from 15% recovery to over 85% recovery and nothing changed except for full-time focus, um, metric based leadership. It was simple and treating this like a process, not a project. And so many companies, they want to, Oh, oh let's fix, let's fix churn and they go through a project and then, it, but you gotta have a process, you gotta have people. And then you've got to have that, that, that kind of leadership. And so, the idea of gravy came from, we were sitting there go and I was talking to these entrepreneurs during this 14 months of my misery town, and I would ask them, hey, what are you doing for failed payment recovery? And they would literally look at me like I had a third head and be like, hey, this is I have no idea. And they would say, oh, but Cindy knows, the CFO. Oh, uh, Betty and customer service is in charge of that. Oh, oh, our sales guys, when they have nothing to do, they follow up with that. And I'm sitting there calling BS going, the CFO ain't doing it. The customer success people hate doing this. And I started digging down into it and I realized that nobody does this. And I had so, no idea that nobody focused on this. And that was the foundation of Gravy. And so I called two entrepreneur friends and software companies and said, hey, can I look at your churn? And if and I went and looked at failed payments and I brought back said, this is how much money you're losing every month. If I brought that money back to you and customers, would you pay me uh, on one month and I'll give you all of the customer lifetime value off of it? And they said, sure, you have at it. And that was the foundation of gravy.
0: So, that was so, a long uh, answer. No, That's it was awesome. perfect. But you're, you're you're animated, so you can talk as long as you want. It's great. So, so a lot. Do your customers? It sounds like they don't know they have this problem, or they don't know they have a solvable problem. Is that is that accurate?
1: Um, they know they have a problem. Like people know they have a problem that they need to lose fifteen pounds, but it's
2: not like the most urgent problem. Because they're, so, they're probably sitting there saying a little bit, I mean, I think to your point, right, they're sitting there kind of saying, well, we're using the software, there's not a lot of other solutions out there, and so we're doing the best we can with the problem that we currently have. And then, you know, to your point, it's like now we're, we're uncovering that, hey, there are other solutions that are out there now, and we're actually going to take that recovery from 15 to 85, and therefore, like, I'm going to get a little of the gravy, and, you know, we're going to get you back your money. Yeah,
1: but it's also, in as you guys know, in every business, entrepreneurs to CEOs... And like our target market, the majority of our customers are. You have to be over about you know five hundred thousand dollars in annual revenue just to have enough you know stuff going on. Up to about fifty million dollars is where we spend. We have some bigger ones and some smaller ones, but that's the majority. During that period, from five hundred thousand to fifty million, all they're thinking is grow, 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 grow. Yep. And so they will say they care about their customers. They will say that they care about churn. And then all I ask is, hey. Um, how much of your budget goes to this? How much of your budget goes to, re- to, to, to reducing your churn rate on a monthly basis? How much of your strategic meetings when you have strategic meetings is around keeping the customers that are already paying you? And how much time if you a lot of the time of the people in your organization, they were focusing just on this one number of this one, not I'm not in customer success. And I have seven numbers. And y'all are the experts on that, guys. I know nothing about customer success. All we know how to do is when somebody didn't pay to get them to to pay. That's what we do, that's it. We focus on that one thing, and we ask them who focuses on that in your business, and it's always this, you know, well, we have this person or this team they're supposed to, and it's like number 11 on the list because they've got product issues and they've got marketing issues and sales issues, and so it's just not this just heavyweight, like people aren't Googling failed payment recovery solution, like they're not. And so um, this is a hidden problem that nobody focuses on. And that's what created the sliver in the market for us to be able to come in there. And for three
2: years, you know, um, dominate. Well, kudos to the name because the name just ring, you know, just rolls off the tongue. And just to your point too, like the interesting part I think about how you guys started this business is, and what I love is you actually started with some of that customer discovery in the beginning to say, you're talking to all these software people saying, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Um, And the, I think what's probably, and I'm making assumptions right now, but what I think is probably beautiful about the the niche and the the small segment there or the segment that you picked out is the fact that no one else is doing this. So therefore your marketing dollars aren't, I mean, you're not, you don't really have to spend a lot of marketing. And then therefore, if you do a good job, you know how high and how fast your referrals are going to be because like one CFO to another CFO, right? Like I'm sure like as soon as the the wheels start spinning and you start getting into some of these networks, especially if you start talking to private equity backed companies or venture capital backed companies, I mean, those That's where you ignite your growth for your company. So I just, in my mind, was working that out because I was like, this is a very, 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 very cool niche and something fun to work on. I'm sure for you,
1: it is. 56% of our net new revenue comes from uh, our partners, and most of our partners uh, started as customers or our customers. And so that's what we did no marketing. Like I built we. So I've done other companies where we built it with sales and marketing in mind first, and oh, we'll get to the product later. We built this one all from the inside out. We built this one with just success stories and we only had two people and then they told 13 within a period of three months and then it just started rolling. Um, and so that's how we built we built this product first, which in some cases I don't even recommend. Um, you know, but but in this one it just worked worked out that way. And then it's fun. And now obviously we use paid ads and those kind of things now. But yeah, yeah. our strongest thing is people telling people.
0: So you, you call it a product, but it sounds like it's a mix of service. It's you have right. technology. You have technology yeah, behind it as well. How does it, does it work? Yeah.
1: So we would be considered a tech-enabled service. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and then we're building more now. We just have job wrecks out. We're building out our software team. More and more and more is um, that there's payment processors. Um, there's a failed credit card payment. Um, we stuck the uh, failed credit card payment. Uh, Deans obviously come into the system. And I'm telling you the Alabama version. I'm a non-tech founder <laughs> and I have no idea how all the little details work but we magically bring the failed payments in. Um, It creates, uh, uh, we have what we call reconversion cadences. And so based upon uh, testing, like for instance, one of the cadences name would be Lightning, would be a three day cadence of these headlines and send it this time and Lightning produces X amount of revenue. Uh, and We know that it converts in this way, but it's it's more, uh, it's fast and it's to the point and if the customer's brand is that way, then we could, we could go lightning. Uh, if it's more of a slow drip and they're more of a brand play and it's a softer touch, then we'll, we'll, we'll do our, our brand Betty is, is, the, is our buyer. And so the brand Betty cadence uh, is, is more of a slow, just so, Hey, you're paying it and this, that, and the other, and it's nicer. And it's more, it could be prettied up and this, that, and the other. And so we, based upon our different client avatars, which we have five, Life, then we're able to match the different sequences and, and, and communicate in such a way with their customer base in a way that is conducive to them. And so that's the reconversion cadences. So, such the information, we have reconversion cadences. And then anytime anybody replies back, and they're like, "Hey, you know, um, my grandma died. You know, and, and because of that, I was out of town. I can't do this. Or, hey, um, can we break two payments up into, you know, if I could, if I paid on the the, the first and then I paid on this. Or, hey, you know, I went out." I, I'm glad it failed. This product sucks. I don't ever use it. And so then we re, then we're the negotiating on the back end. Say, hey, what if you? What if we gave you this deal? Because then we do uh, what we call stay bonuses. Stay bonuses then are the negotiations of like we'll we we'll create three different stay bonuses for every every single customer and every single product. Say, so, well, what if we did X? And that's to get them to stay and pay either a little bit more a month or they pay up front and they get the whole thing cheaper, or we give them a diff- additional product. And so that's where the magic happens in the one-to-one. So, so our model supports, like we have, we have recovered 3 million customers. Um, and so like every month, like this month, uh, this month, actually recording this actually tomorrow, we will re- recover our hundred millionth dollar that will have, that goes wow. back to the businesses. So over the three years, a hundred million dollars that was completely lost will now be back to businesses. And so that's when we say the, the one to many model is, it's at scale, but every single customer with any issues, we treat them in a one to one method. And that's what creates the mixture of the magic sauce. And most people just want scale because they don't want to talk to anybody. That's right. And then, and then they don't want to have the people do it because then it's like a whole person. It, it, and it really in some businesses doesn't make sense. And so they pay us a fraction of the cost to get both of those things. And that's what we do. Does that make sense? And what,
0: uh, totally.
1: And by the way, yeah. like that's a pretty sophisticated
0: thing, you know, so don't, don't uh, deprecate yourself as being from Alabama because like the thing that Alabamans evidently get is customer engagement, right? And what you're talking about is an engagement yeah. strategy. But and that's that, say it again, one-to-many model, one-to-one, one, what was it? Mindset. Mindset. Like that's what yeah. initially got us talking to you. Yeah. I mean, what a beautiful thing, right? Because I think you're right. Jeff and I often talk about do things that don't scale when it comes to how you how you interface with your customers and the relationships that you're building there. Because even if it's one person who is a small customer, you don't know where that's gonna go, right? And it's better to have that relationship in the long run just because you talked to somebody or had a conversation or gave them a couple of options than it is to not have them as a customer because
1: you're just you know wanna be more efficient than effective. So we love that model. Yeah, and I think it's better. Like, yeah, be be, be scale- and, and that's what the hard thing is. Is that most, especially most software companies, they want to solve the world with software, and yep. and 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 it's like you have people. Like, oh my God, you have people in your company. Well, you should be cool. Well, I'm like, well, your software engineers are people. So I mean, like, people aren't the problem. And I'm like, anytime you have a problem in your life, I call it the press zero principle. You well, remember when we used to travel on airplanes? Well. When we used to travel totally. airplanes, <laughs> you know, and you call in and you got a problem with your flight and you get the automated system, you just press zero, 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 zero cut, and then you like representative, representative, you know, you're doing this over and over and And you do, it's just anytime you have a problem, you want a person. Yep. Anytime you have pain, you want a person. And so a problem is I can't get access to my product or a pain is, you know, I have to pay for this or whatever. And so it's in those situations at different points in the different lifespan, the question is, how would you want to be treated? Well, I know how I'm treated. I get an automated email that everybody else gets, but I'm already a paying customer. And essentially what you're saying to me is I don't care about you. And um, it's like, okay, um, you spend all this time, effort, and energy uh, focusing on the front end, but you don't give a crap about the back end. And people will tell you they do, and
2: they just don't. Yeah, the, the thing that I thought was interesting that you mentioned earlier too is this whole idea about how churn isn't equal, right? Like you've got different types of churn that happen, and so it's interesting listening to you because you focus on the uh, part that we don't focus on very much. Like we focus on all the other reasons of churn, right? The 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 fact that there's no value for the product that they sold them, uh, the fact that the the problem, you know, the product is buggy, uh, the fact that you know support didn't get back to them on time, like whatever those reasons are, that's that's where uh, a lot of times we play. But I'm curious as you've gone into these businesses now. Um, and again, I'm sure like, this is like wildfire and like you said, you know, this, as soon as you say to somebody like, Hey, I'm going to get you money back. I'm pretty sure everyone's just saying yes, but I'm curious, like have they, have people tried to, you know, get your business to look into those other areas for them as well? Like, Hey, if you're already going to help me re-engage my customer about failed payments, can you also help us talk to them about these other problems they might be having with churn?
1: They have. And, um, we just said no, um, because we are hype. So again, I, this is my fourth company. So uh, there's a entrepreneurial crazy matrix that is, a simple, is simply this, is how many people in your team to how many products you have in your, in your business. And so and what I found is that people want to have all these different things, but they're not willing to match it with the money to be able to support all the different things. And it creates craziness in the life. And so we just decided early on, hey, we're doing one thing. And this is all we are going to do until we reach our goal is by the end of 2023 to return one billion dollars back to businesses. And that's all we focus on. It's all we do and it's all we want to do. And they absolutely want to ask questions. And we do, we'll help them or give some advice. So here's what we're seeing or feeling or this, that, and the other. But that's not our expertise. I have no idea how to make somebody want to use your software product better. We have no idea how to do those things. We only know how to be very, very focused on this one area, and that's what we're focusing on.
2: Yeah. That's it's, uh I like that point, you know, hyper focused. like you don't see a lot of people doing that. The other part uh, I'm curious about too, when you, um, as you go get engaged with these businesses, are you um, like is step one to basically go get a churn analysis? Is, is it like, Hey, let's just look at the numbers. Let's look at the, what the data is telling us to see like, you know, what our ROI can be. And uh, so that's kind of first part of that question. And then second part of that question is how often can people actually produce that report? Have you seen that companies actually don't even know where that report lives? It lives in Betty's lives in Betty's office, it lives in Sally's office. Yeah. And then- No, it lives in their payment processor. So it
1: lives in their payment system and they don't know how to pull it. And for instance, like Stripe, which we love, we have 65% of our clients, you know, Stripe back backend. Um, but like most people that are running the businesses don't know, even if they went and pulled it, they'll just pull the report for the last 30 days and they go, oh, we have $20,000 that was in the failed payment reports, but they don't know that every time the credit card's retried is added into that. So it's really not 20,000. So you probably have about 8,000 or whatever. It's just those little nuances of things. And so then when you look at the dashboards of all of these companies that say they do, you know, churn stuff, churn, whatever, and you look at them, they're not doing that math for them. And they're always wrong. And so these entrepreneurs are buying, and I'm not going to say anybody's name just because that's not how we operate, but they're buying these dashboards, plugging it in and going, oh, this is fixing the problem, but it's wrong because literally you have to go through and weed out and manually look at the different things and why and all this stuff. And so that logic doesn't exist. And um, so they don't, they're not able to pull it. And then they, they give us like these vague answers and they're always, and not to be rude. I'm just saying they're just always wrong. They don't know this isn't a, this on a priority scale is just not very high. Um, and so um, they can't really produce it and, or if they do, and they say, oh, our churn is 4%, which turns into X9 a month. It's like this voodoo math. It's visionary entrepreneur math. It's drunk math. Well, I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> Jeff, like- Jeff is just laughing at me the entire time. <laughs> no, it, I love,
2: I love I like I, it. I'm going yeah, to take the – like I love this uh, drunk math. Like, first of all, my mom would – I mean, my mom does drunk math all the time. Like that's that's her jam. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your mom doesn't listen to this podcast, dude. She definitely doesn't. <laughs>
0: Well, what I like about Casey the most so far is that you talk with your hands as much as I do. I've knocked so many things over on my desk. Um, what, what, like, you mentioned Strike, but what other products are people using for this? And I know you're not trying to throw anybody on the bus. I'm just curious, like, genuinely, like, because we deal with more of what I would think of. So you're like the low end, almost e com side of SaaS companies. We deal with probably what you would think of as like SMB and enterprise. Yeah. The annual recurring revenue is a little bit higher on a unit basis, and they're doing. POs, right? They're not doing credit card payments in most cases. Got it. Got but it. so we have a. There's a whole set of platforms that apply up
1: there. But what are they using on the low end to
0: do some of the things that you're talking about relative to recurring revenue?
1: I feel bad saying it because I. And it's not even about competitors or it's, it's it's like I don't want to throw anybody under the bus of whatever. Well, I'm just. So, I'm
0: just. Is it the finance system? Are they using like Netsuite no, and QuickBooks
1: they would call it dunning software or it would be. Um, built into, let's just say, like for instance, one of my friends, because he's my friend, do y'all, have you all heard of Infusionsoft? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it would be like I'm using Infusionsoft, and Infusionsoft has an automated retry system that you can set up in an automated email cadence, So it's built in there. Got it. So um, on some other systems, it's not built in. So you got to get a plug in, and then you plug it in there. Um, and uh, then for, for some of our larger clients, is that they've got like a, have you ever heard of like Recurly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like well, yeah. okay. so they have a profit well or whatever and they have systems as well. And so we're tech agnostic from the standpoint of that we, we can plug into any of those and work with any of those. And I've always thought because people are like, Well, Casey, you know, who acquires your company? And I'm like, well, maybe some of these software companies should acquire us that we're implementing their software better than they do. <laughs> Seriously.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah. You know
1: what I mean? I, I'm not, we're not looking to be acquired by now, but the point is like um, those are the kind of solutions that people use for this. But nobody is willing to use the solution of, um, I hand-to-hand mean, we got combat hand-to-hand combat. And, and people say, what's your secret sauce? And I say, our secret sauce is that what we do
2: sucks. So, and so that, well, sorry, I was, that, that was actually one question I was curious about. So um, there's part of my brain where I was about to ask, like, how do you, so from your, you know, CEO of, of the company, like, yep. how do you keep the morale up of, of people who go and call and have to deal with, you know, angry customers all the time. Like I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm, and this is probably a, a, a bad version, but I'm thinking about like a call center where these people are just, it's all not right. like this. I know it's not, but like, you know what I mean? So like, how do you, like, how do you come in? And, oh, actually, actually, let me, let me guess for a second. First of all, um, I think from what <laughs> you said what earlier, you I think what you said earlier is um, the faster you make the connection, the faster you get paid. And so I was thinking that maybe that helps in terms of some incentive for the employees, um, keep their morale up of like, hey, if I can get some stuff done and I'm gonna be, you know, it's like, I make my own dance. I, I make my own destiny, so to speak. Um, and then I, I bet too, like the other thing that is in the top of my mind too, is that the fact that um, there's, you're working with different clients and different strategies and you've got different, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of uh, two or three different types of strategies that you're employing. And so it's not necessarily like mundane doing the same call every single time. It's like, you're actually changing at work and there's a technique and different strategy that your employees are implementing. That's my guess. Yeah. plus. close? Wrong. How do you keep it up?
1: So here's
0: the whoa, secret. Whoa. So, well, hold on a second. First of all, they're not all mad. All right. I mean, sometimes no, they, no. Ever, they, want to be,
1: they want to be customers. They just their credit card. Sometimes cards. it's a mix. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is what nobody believes and it's hard to communicate until you get inside. And if you've seen, if you've been on LinkedIn, you've probably seen our team posting and all this stuff. And, and here's, here's our philosophy. Okay. Um, every company I created until I was 36 years old, I, I did not know. Um, subconsciously, it was about me. And it was about that I had, I wanted to get rich and I didn't know that I, I want to make all this stuff. I just, I did. And so I drove the decisions and the culture and team and staff and everything was built around that sub, uh, Unconsciously, I didn't even, I didn't mean to, I just did, I just operated and did what we did. And so after, um, after we, um, sold the last company, um, I sold my company and, and my life fell apart. Um, I, my wife didn't like me. Um, I didn't like me. Um, I got a bag of money, but I felt like I'd sold my soul. And so during that 14 months, and this is going to get down, this is, this is may not be what happens inside of this podcast, but I'm just going to be me. Okay. 14 months of counseling every week, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, not wanting to um, exist, uh, not knowing why I exist, started drinking too much. I can go, I mean, I tried it, I did it all. And I'm just sitting there going, like, I've spent my whole life and I got this bag of gold and, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me. And I said, um, after 14 months, we were given the opportunity to find this idea. And before we started, I created something that's called owner's intent. And when I talk to most owners about it, they have no idea what this is. And, and, And what owner's intent is, is what is you as the owner, your intention with this business? in a stated sentence of mm. why will you put up with it, show up to it and do all this because I'm not gonna get to the end of this and get another bag of gold and, and I've already done that, so what is that? And so for me, it took me about three months to come up with this, but I wanted to build an organization that I would want my kids, my adult children to wanna work at someday if they so chose to. And so every decision that we make on hiring, on firing, on spending, on leadership and everything is built through the lens of my daughter Darby at 13 years old is now a celebrations coordinator for our staff and she celebrates all the birthdays. She celebrates all the anniversaries and she celebrates everything. And then I have a responsibility when I show up on Slack every day and I show up on LinkedIn that she sees it all, she reads it all. And that we created that to where she's 13 now and she's here. And I want to build an organization to when she's 29 years old and she came home and she said, we were at Christmas and we're sitting around in pajamas the night before Christmas. She was telling me, dad, let me tell you about the CEO of my company. Dad, let me tell you about my boss. Dad, let me tell you about how their annual retreat was. Dad, let me tell you about the person they fired. Dad, let me tell you about that. And so gravy essentially is a redemption opportunity to build something that I'm proud of because I never have. And this is something that we're proud of. And so gravy is essentially a leadership development company disguised as a payment recovery company to the market. And we use the money that we save the businesses that we get back to us. And internally, all we're trying to do is create more businesses out of gravy. And so we have an entrepreneurial tree when people come in and I help them grow and go start their own businesses and create an entrepreneur tree of people that come from gravy and the people that want to stay our goal. We tell everybody when you come in, Hey, we want you to lead better than you came in, and we create a life plan for them. And we have a system called Decade of Destiny, where we help them um, with the three big areas of their life: it's uh, fulfilled relationships, exponential energy, and where they have compounding wealth. And we plan ten years of their life in advance, and then we help them achieve that. And so we use Gravy as the mechanism for people to be able to achieve their life dreams inside of it. And so that's why we do what we do, and our cultures. That's why people stay here. Nobody signed up at career fair in high school to be one of these. Nobody wanted to do that, but that's why who we are and why we do what we do.
2: Well, uh, Jeff, was that an acceptable answer? That was awesome. That is like <laughs> that. So uh, I want to keep that in the podcast because that is that's like the definition of trying to build culture, and it's it's like the antithesis of like what you see now. Which is like if you, if I go read a job description now, what you see on there is like. We have early Fridays in the summer. We have a pool table. We have kegs. We have – right? And, like, Mm -hmm. to me, like, that is, like, the antithesis of, like, what you just described, which is, like, I want to come work there now. Um, But, I mean, that is – I know, but that is
1: is what creates them winning customers back. Yeah. And people – it's not their compensation. Yes, do they need to be compensated? Yes, do they get – glad they get a bonus? Yes. But if you went and asked them, hey, what motivates you? Why are you here? What's your – why your morale? What – the way – where it is? They are not – they're gonna tell you about the friend that they work side by side with. They're gonna tell you about how their life got better. They're gonna tell you that they started investing in the stock market for the first time when they're 36 years old. They've never heard of investing. And we train them on how to do personal finances in their life. Like those are the benefits. Um, and that's, awesome. that's, what, that's what we do. And so, hey, y'all can cut everything out you wanna cut out, but I'm just telling you that's the difference maker.
0: No, I think that's- I think we should cut everything else out and just keep that. Here, here's, yeah. a, here's a question for you relative to that. Like how do so you own this company Like there's a lot of people listening to this podcast and Jeff and I fall in this bucket as well. Like now we're going to be working for a company that we don't own. Um, and there's private equity behind it. We know and trust these guys right there. We've known them for a long time, but what, what advice would you give us going into that environment to make sure we bring that kind of purpose and that mindset with us as we do?
1: Yeah. My thing is, um, no matter where you are, um, you can influence somebody uh, for the better. And you may not be able to influence the organization but you can influence the people that you have direct contact with. And I always tell somebody, it doesn't take a plum nickel to make a difference in somebody's life. Like it doesn't, to, and I don't believe you can create culture. I believe that you are culture. Mm. You can't yep. create it. And people try to create it. You can't create it. You are culture. And so that what I would say is that you just, you, um, my, my friend wrote a book, Clay Scroggins, and, it, and it's called how to leave when you're not in charge. And it is such a great book about how do you lead up, how do you lead down, how do you lead the side when you're not in charge, when you don't have a title or whatever. And so that's all I would focus on um, is, is building that. And my goal then wouldn't be to create a, my owner's intent or, or my aspirational intent. So when everybody starts gravy, we do a class called Gravy Kool-Aid uh, that I still teach every single new person for five five weeks we do it. And the point of it is for them to build what's called their aspirational intent, which is why do you want to like, how does gravy exist so that your life is better by the time you leave? And we literally make people be honest to say gravy is a stepping stone in my career. And we go, that's awesome. If it is, it is, we're going to figure that out at some point. So let us just help to be the best stepping stone that's ever going to be. Or my goal to be at gravy is that I can buy braces. We just had a lady last week that bought braces. And so she just wants money to buy braces. And so the the point being, if I was in your shoes, I would define when I leave this company, what's my aspirational intent when it's over, I'm going to start with this is what I want to have happen. And, for most people, when we slow down and go to the end, most of the time, what we want is for people to tell good stories about us. That's it. And so um, nobody reads a profit and loss at a funeral and uh, right. everybody wants good stories told. And so what I always do is try to create the funeral for everything in my life at the beginning now so that we can live intentionally and live with purpose.
0: Awesome, man.
2: I just well, wrote uh, those two things. Ha-
0: but- how to lead when you're not in charge.
1: Who's the alpha? I- Clay Struggins, Clay, Clay Clay's Scroggins. Scroggins. It's a Scroggins. fantastic book. The awesome. head of the White House recently to speak on it. Like he's, he, I mean, he's just like he's legit. Yeah, yeah I like the idea of
2: aspirational intent too, because I think you know I, I do think that's interesting. Like Jay said, as you're walking into a business to try and understand, like you know, why did I, why am I here? Why did I choose to be here? And what do I see that I'm going to get out of this for the next, you know, one, two, three, four years? And a, that aspirational. The other thing I was just thinking about too is that aspirational intent is, is going to change and it shouldn't stay static. So it's something that you should probably go back to on a regular basis. And it's like, you have to ask yourself that, you know, regularly to understand like, where are you in your life? And does the aspirations that you you have, have you met it yet? Does it still hold true? Or how do you, how do you change that and adapt it over time? hundred percent. And same is true as owner
1: intent. So I picked, I put an end date on gravy was at the end of 2023, we're going to have a billion dollars returned back and build the organization in such a way, which my daughter worked for like, that's super clear. But if I get there and we're having the time of our life and we see more opportunity, well then that's okay. But, but what, but people usually don't pick because they're like, well, what if it changes? And I'm like, well, what if you never pick? it? <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is worse. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd rather just pick and at least have it for a while than never pick. And most people won't pick because they're scared they're going to pick the wrong thing. And so my, that's just, you know, again, like I said, I just came from hell in life and I realized like, hmm, I, I may not want to live the next 36 like I lived the first 36.
0: Love it, man. It's very inspirational and
1: has nothing to do with customer success. No, it doesn't. It doesn't.
0: That's okay, man. Like this, that's exactly what this is about. It's just authenticity, but it's purpose. Like the whole, the word that keeps ringing around in the back of my head and maybe you even said it is just purpose. In most companies, whether it be, you know, calling and dialing to get people on the phone to get their credit card reinstated or calling a customer who's pissed off. I mean, there's some stuff that's just got to be shoveled, right? Like most jobs have a lot of just hard sucks. There's got to be a higher purpose to it. And I think what you've outlined, it gives me a lot of inspiration, uh, totally. Um, and I think will inspire our team and also the community that we engage with. So, you know, yeah. I, I actually think you should start a motivational speaking company because I'm like, fired up right now. I'm ready to, <laughs> <go> to.
2: <laughs> Run through a brick wall. Right.
0: So, all right, I want to I wanna switch gears for just a second, though. Let's Question. Do it. <laughs> did, did you get the snake? or not. Okay. So let me, let me describe this. Cause we won't be sharing the video, but I'm looking at a LinkedIn post from, uh, uh, was the 25th of July? Yeah.
1: And as soon as you saw it, you, you, you literally texted Jeff probably and said, God, we got to cancel this guy.
2: <laughs> no way. No, I, I, asked, I, I, actually, love so, I wrote back and said, is he going to wear this on the podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: let's describe it. So he's holding uh, the, the whole thing. So, well, everyone can go look at this. Everybody's got LinkedIn that says, I woke up to dad. There's a snake under the boat. Right. Did I get that right? And no. then, He's got like some pajama pants on. Looks like Christmas pajama pants in the middle of summer. Some boots, like waders up to his knees. A, a, a t shirt that says, I love my church, which I love my church too. I, I want to talk to you about that at some point, but it looks like you slept in it. And then you got a weed eater with a freaking, I don't blade. know what kind of blade that is on there, but yeah.
1: it's, it's, a brush, it's a brush clear. And I, and I got I know, the you snake. Go. I, got, I got the what it. snake. What kind of, was I it did. poisonous or? It, it, we thought it. It looked like a water moccasin, but it ended up being a uh, a water snake. But the point was, my kids got scared to not go fishing, and my son's a big fisherman. He's nine years old. We have we live on a a, a pond, uh, like a twenty acre like pond thing, and so he wouldn't push the boat out anymore. And so I was like, I gotta kill it to make a point, and then hung the thing up and said, we killed the snake and threw it in the water, and then now <laughs> they go fishing.
0: No fear. All right, I get it, man. I just love I love the picture. It's really good. So y'all go check well, it out. Casey
1: Graham, yeah. look at his post. And then c- come work for come work for gravy. This is the inspirational side. But but the point is that this is core value. So we have a <laughs> one of our core values is, and you'll see this in the post of the people on LinkedIn from our company, is that we don't take ourselves too seriously. And um, you know we always are. I mean, it's practical jokes and screwing around. Like I prank call every single. Uh, well, I hope new people don't hear this, but. Uh, new people that join on their first day, I always uh, prank call them. And so I just they get a phone I'll call you know, nobody answers phone numbers, they don't know, you know, so I'll call like six times in a row. And then they answer and I always do this is ADP. And did you know that gravy is under criminal investigation for tax evasion and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And that if they continue there, their life and their career would be ruined because of their connection. And we're going to connect you with a law firm and all this kind of stuff. And literally a girl started crying last week. And so, um, I had to like tone it back a little bit, but, and then we put it in Slack and it's a celebration of their welcome call, uh, integrated. Oh so my it's those kind of so that's
2: that's like, fun, a, it's like the, it's like the hazing. Oh my gosh. I, a actually, riot. I, have, I have one more question. Too. So, um, how long have you been active on LinkedIn is kind of just the first quick question. Like, have you been yeah. using that as a channel for a long time?
1: No. Um, November was the first time I saw a post. Like I had no idea about LinkedIn
2: zero first
1: time I saw a post was November. I had an account for everybody's had a LinkedIn account for yeah. ten years. Right. But, but I had no idea what was happening. November. I saw a post by, I, I logged in for some reason. And yeah, the other one is Sarah Brazier from I gone. So.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, I yeah, feel yeah like I, I've heard the yes, name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's an SDR. I think, SDR. And I saw she's an SDR and her post had like, it was like 1000s of comments and all this kind of stuff. And I clicked and I was thinking this is some famous person. thing. I was like, hey, she's an SDR at, at a company and she posted this and she's getting this. And, and then so I started digging around and going like, Oh my gosh, like this is one of the most untapped opportunities that I've ever seen in my life. And I started just digging around and posting and then about uh, about February, um, to March, when COVID hit, we had an internal mantra called built for this, meaning that we were going to go in when everybody else went out. And so I put a post out because my granddad killed himself as a small business owner um, because of sh- the stress of it. And so I always have a heart for just business owners. And I put my phone number out and I told the story, put my phone number out and said, I will talk to any entrepreneur that's in a bad situation. And I took 78 phone calls in the period of two weeks from entrepreneurs when this thing hit. And just one by one by one, just listen, 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 listen. And then um, they started sharing the post and the content and then it all started taking off. And so then we didn't have any content marketing inside of gravy at that point. And then I saw the opportunity hit and then boom, we went full speed and then we started building uh, content from there and,
2: and now it's, 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 it's taken off. That's cool. That's so a similar story to Jay and I, like we've, we we uh, had LinkedIn for a long time. Uh, Jay started back in November and he said, Hey, I'm going to post for one day. Oh. I'm going to post one time a day for every 30 day or once a day yeah. for 30 days and I'm gonna see right. what happens. And if I waste, you know, an hour a day, that's fine. And then, you know, similar to you, right? The opposite happened, which is like, this is an untapped opportunity. And so we use that for our business over the last, uh, since November or so. Um, and it's been, it's crazy. Well, and you, and you start to build good connections because then you start finding your customers and then you find, you know, your the people you, you work with and yeah, you start finding the, and then you, you really start to see some diversity there. Um, one last question. because now I'm just curious on this thing too. What's, what's your process for for writing content. And now that you have a content, it it sounds like you're developing more content, you've kind of evangelized it inside the organization for everybody to do it. So does everyone have their own style? Do you, do you guys have, do you guys have kind of company content that you guys want to put out? Um, Like I I didn't think so, Um, but how how do you think that works for you and for the company? So we train everybody on the
1: power of that they will never have to build a resume again if they build their personal brand on LinkedIn and that every job that they want in the future or every company because i got a bunch of people that want to be budding entrepreneurs and i tell them don't wait till you need value to give value start giving value now and then when you go out you'll be able to have customers and stuff before you even start and so uh, so what we're doing is i literally just cast the vision and we have a channel in slack called linkedin influencers and so in but to be in the channel you have to commit that you will post consistently and that you will pick a niche that you're going to dominate and you can it may, may take you time to figure it out. And then what they do is they post they, we say ship, they ship a post and then we take it and then I'll screenshot it and I'll put it back in there and I'll break their post down and say, Hey, what if you changed this and what if the headline was that? And what if we did this and what if we did that and whatever. And then the next day they start posting and all these people's stuff just started taking off and we have a team of people now where it's just everybody's working on everybody's content inside the business and we don't have any control or whatever. Uh, we get a benefit of two two things that people aren't measuring out. Number one is uh, cost to hire. Our cost to hire has gone to zero and speed to hire has gone like, we put something out. It is, we have thousands of people knocking on the door. Okay, so that's yep. number one. Yep. And then, and that now number two is we just started using SDRs on LinkedIn and paid ads on LinkedIn. And we're the, the SAC, like we just really broke into like this bigger SaaS market of over the $10 million SaaS companies like, and they're coming in left and right now. And they're like, oh, we see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. And so it's, it's decreased the, um, the, the customer acquisition cost because the brand has, was there before they got the ad.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly what Jeff and I learned. It, it, a lot of people are like, oh, it's great. It's another lead source. It's another lead channel. That's not the point at all. It's, no. it's about building engagement and relationships. So yeah. that when somebody is ready to buy, they're coming to you, and and we think, we think there's such a huge opportunity for, uh, you know, our, our world is customer success to a degree, but like for any SaaS company or any company to be building brand and community there, so that it lowers the barrier to entry. We had a similar experience to your sales or your SDR experience. We walked into a company, I don't know what was it, Jack, last fall, and they're like, oh my god, like we've been selling services for two or three years before that. We walked into this company for the first time after we had started doing that, I'm like, oh my God, we're so glad you're here. Like we've been reading your stuff on LinkedIn. And yeah. I was like, who reads our stuff on LinkedIn?
1: That's what that's what yeah. We had, had they knew who me, we were. I had a guy tell me to join our staff that it was like, it's so great to meet you. And I was like, um, okay. And like they have this persona that people make up or they build or whatever. And it's like, crap, this works. Oh uh, yeah, well that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem too, is it's like, oh well crap, you think I'm something that I'm probably not. Oh, that's right. the other that's side why, of it. That's why you got to post a picture. We you kill the snake. It's <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> idea, man. It's a good idea. All right, cool. So we're almost out of time. We'd be respectful of your right. time. But are you guys hiring
1: right now? We are. Um, we've got uh, two full stack developer. Uh, we've got a back-end developer role, uh, full stack senior developer role. Um, we've got a VP of uh, finance and accounting role that we're hiring. Um, we're hiring an account manager role right now uh, that we need somebody desperately for uh, for, for new people to come in. Um, And then we're hiring um, our our revenue retention specialists that do the actual work. Um, We have about four roles of those open uh, right now as well.
0: Awesome. There are a lot of great people out there with customer success background that actually would be a really good fit for at least five of those roles that I just heard. So how can, how should people get in
1: touch with you and with gravy? Yep, great, great. GravySolutions.io uh, is where you go, and then at the top, if you're interested in being a customer, you can see obviously pricing and this that and the other. But if you uh, want to get a job, there's it's a job opportunities, and it's that simple. GravySolutions with an s. Dot
0: io. Awesome, man. This has been great. I appreciate you taking the time to do it, and
2: we should definitely <laughs> do it know, again. I didn't
1: know what you got into. I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, be honest.
2: I didn't, but I like. I liked it. I liked the variety. Sorry. Like we come on this podcast three times a week talking about customer success. So, like, to do this is like so like to me is like great to, to break through the noise a little bit. So, I like well, good because I
1: don't know anything about customer success. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go listen to our you podcast, then
0: <laughs> so, you know a lot more than you let on. I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right,
1: this All is it. Right, awesome. It's you guys great for to meet having you, Casey. Me. Yeah, we'll All talk right. to you soon, man. Take care. All right, cheers. All right, see ya.